Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Skewed and Reviewed Skewcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Review, and you can catch us online at SKNR.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, entertainment, travel, pop culture, technology, and more. You can also catch us and the show on Sci-Fi Radio, as well as various syndicators such as Tolkien Critic. You can go to PinalCentral.com, keyword skewed, and catch our uh, reviews, which are gaming reviews in 21 uh, papers in 10 major markets in the uh, greater Phoenix metro area and then some. And, of course, you can catch our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine, as well as uh, our appearances on BGA Shades Geek Nation. Well, right now, it has been a bit of a mixed draw coming off San Diego Comic-Con and with the writer and actor strike going on, so not a ton of news out there, but we have been able to pick up some stuff, and there are some really interesting entertainment options out there. Uh, the other day, I had a chance to see the brand-new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and it was actually uh, fairly entertaining. It's essentially a reboot uh, that is uh, the child of Seth Rogen, but Mutant Mayhem essentially takes a look back uh, goes to the beginning, uses an interesting style of animation similar to the way Spider-Man did that at times might be a bit annoying, but as it goes on, you get used to it. Uh, the story was entertaining. I did think at times it dragged a little bit, but overall it was very entertaining. Uh, some rather interesting news is that the upcoming Meg 2 is not going to screen in advance for the press. Uh, we got confirmation about that the other day. Uh, but Meg 2 The Trench uh, is not going to be getting any advanced reviews for the press, which usually is a very bad sign. That often indicates that the studio knows the reviews are going to be very bad for it and chooses not to uh, subject the film to that, to essentially just let the film open and get what it can and, uh, you know, before word of mouth comes in. This being a joint production, I do think they are counting on it doing uh, better overseas than locally, as well as people who saw the first film going to see it. It is tracking to do okay, but not um, to the level that um, the prior one did. A couple of games I wanted to mention really quick. Antstream Arcade has got a really nice set for the Xbox, and this is a collection of 1,300-plus retro games, so people who are really interested in stuff like that want to check it out. If you have PSVR 2, Dicephronia Chronos Alternate Episode 3 is available. And of course, for those looking for a rather interesting uh, mystery, it's a uh, essentially hand-drawn solve-it mystery called Prime O'Clock. So that is another one that is out there. All right, gentlemen, so we talked about some of the films being disappointments at the box office. Um, we just got the box office numbers in, and of course, it is absolutely crazy. Barbie is still doing exceptionally well. It has made over $774 million worldwide. It is absolutely cleaning up. It was number one at the box office again this weekend with $93 million. Oppenheimer, number two with $46.2 million and has done uh, very well. $400 million plus uh, combined box office. And there's talk that it's going to be extending its run at the... Um, IMAX theaters. However, at the same time, there are some disappointments. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is at 448.5 uh, 
worldwide, which sounds good, but unfortunately, it reportedly had over a $300 million uh, production budget, largely due to the added cost of filming during COVID. So that's going to be a tricky one to uh, make its money back, which many people say beyond the next film could put the future franchise as it stands in jeopardy. And then Disney recently released The Haunted Mansion, and it opened with $24 million, uh, 200 locally, $9.1 million uh, worldwide, uh, international, $33 million worldwide, which, while okay for a film with a $100 million-plus budget and a uh, hefty set of competition opening in the next week, many people say this could be another... Uh, disappointment for Disney on the live action showcase. Justin, we'll start with you. What do you make of all this? Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I think the thing that surprises me the most is that Mission Impossible is underperforming, uh, mainly because the last few movies have done extremely well. Um, and I, I know it's a different franchise, but uh, Top Gun Maverick also did extremely well as well, uh, which is a Tom Cruise movie, um, which to me, it kind of suggested that Tom Cruise um, kind of still had that star power to him where you basically put his name on a movie and people kind of know, all right, so I'm going to get a good action movie out of this. Um, so I, that, that's the one I can't really explain. I don't I don't know why Mission Impossible is not doing better. Um, you know, I, I liked it a lot. It was... You know, just like the other Mission, recent Mission Impossible movies, very high quality action. Um, so that one is is the most strange and baffling as to why it's not doing better. The other ones, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, Barbie has some really good marketing behind it and some good buzz. So that that uh, you know, and then also, um, it just seems like it's a it's a very approachable movie. Um, so it has a very wide audience. Uh, so I think that one also makes sense. Um, you know, Oppenheimer doing well. I think that one also has a lot of buzz, you know, good marketing. Uh, you know, it um, they really pushed pretty hard for people to go see it in IMAX. And uh, to the point where um, I, I was looking, because we have one of those, I think one of the 70 millimeter IMAX screens um, right by where I live. And even during weekdays, could not find a single good seat like basically I, I could go see it but i'd have to be in the very front row which just you know is not a great experience for imax uh so you can tell i mean that a lot of people are going to see this movie um so it, it's definitely interesting i don't really know what to take away with with mission impossible that said you know i, I do think they basically said that the this movie and it's uh, part two are going to be are you know, kind of an end point anyway. So uh, I, I think the, the second part is kind of set in stone already, which is, you know, good, good for the franchise. But at the same time, you know, how many more, how many more uh, uh, situations where uh, Tom Cruise gets disavowed by um, the, uh, um, by his superiors and, and chased around the world. Uh, how many times can they really do that? So, uh, I don't think it's really that concerning for, for the franchise just because it, it seemed like they're probably going to go on a break anyway after the second part of this uh, of this movie. So uh, we'll have to kind of see how it goes. And Michael, your takes, please. Yeah, I think if I was picking 
Hunt at this point, I would have started my own agency because I think he's out of the IMF before he's in the IMF. Um, I think he's been disavowed, what, four, four of the movies, four of the seven movies? Anyways, I did actually just binge watch all of them uh, last week. Um, and I actually enjoyed them. I haven't had a chance to see the latest one, but um, to me, that one is is a big surprise because generally speaking, they've been well-reviewed. This one being the best review of the entire series. I think they've all been very entertaining. I don't think any of them felt like they were dragging. And I think even though the premise is pretty much the same, some maniacal terrorist tries to destroy the world and it's up to the IMF to kind of stop him. I think even though the story, the, you know, the story and the, the premise is always the same, um, I thought it a summer blockbuster type of film, I thought this was exactly what was needed to kind of inject some of the excitement back into the theater over the summer. And let's not forget that Arizona is on day, I think, 30 of, of 110 plus uh, days in a row. Um, there's a heat wave going on across the country, so going to a movie tends to be the ideal way to escape that for a little while. Um, and again, I understand uh, maybe Mission Impossible starting a little bit later with school starting up. Um, around the same time, at least here in Arizona and, and probably other other parts of the country, um, maybe that played into some of it as well. But I I really can't explain it because again, all those movies tended tended to bring in um, a lot of viewership. Uh, and again, it's one of those summer blockbusters that you know is exciting to go to. Doesn't require a lot of thought. Can kind of get out of the heat and just enjoy it. So so yeah, that one um, is a surprise. I think Oppenheimer. Uh, as much as I want to see that movie, and I think it's going to be fantastic, I'm actually surprised, and I know Christopher Nolan did, but I'm actually surprised at how well it's doing given the context. Uh, I'm really surprised that it's drawing as much as it is. I'm glad it is. Um, again, Christopher Nolan, the name behind it, draws a lot. But even around the country, um, to Justin's point, IMAX theaters are sold out, um, even during the week. I've, I've been listening to other podcasts and other um, speaking to other folks who are, you know, in San Francisco and, and other places, and yeah, you can't get seats, or if you do get seats, they're terrible. Um, so the fact that it's selling out IMAX theaters the way that it is, um, great for the industry. Um, and thankfully, Barbie is doing exceptionally well, which is also great for the industry because it's really been kind of lacking with the lackluster performance of Transformers, lackluster performance of Mission Impossible. Um, there's probably others that were expected to do a lot better that haven't, uh, and again, things like Transformers is now streaming or free on Paramount Plus, so it's not even, you know, it was, I don't even think it's out of the theaters yet in some places, and it's already streaming for free. So I know that is taking away some of the, the draw for the franchises that are less consistent, but Mission Impossible has been a very consistent series, uh, most of them very well received, fairly highly reviewed, so, so yeah, that one's a surprise. Um, I did get to see Barbie. I thought it was um, light and airy and fun, and it kind of gets you away from what's going on in the world, and maybe that's why it's doing so well. Um, I wouldn't explain Oppenheimer, but but with Barbie, I think it has it draws enough for folks, whether you're male or female or boy or girl or you know younger, older crowd. Um, I think a lot of folks can relate to it. So it, it kind of Barbie is one of those franchises that I think is generational. You know, coming out and I think what's the 50s, the 60s, um, and then going into now, I think it's a generational thing. So I think you have, you know, folks that are in their 60s and 70s that can relate to it, as well as kids that are eight or nine. And while it's not 
really a kids movie in the sense that it does have some more adult themes. I think they keep those high enough that they go over the heads of pretty much all the little kids. Um, it's all very nuanced, and, and while you know we get all together chuckle out of it because we understand what's going on, I think for little kids, unless they remember and outright ask their parents what that means, I think it does kind of go over their heads a lot, which is good. It's a way to um, keep it adult enough that the older audience can laugh and enjoy it while keeping it safe for the younger audience as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that from a theater perspective, they needed that um, to inject some funds into the theaters. It was getting a little bit scary because the summer was not off to a fantastic start. So um, finally getting some movies that are bringing in some money for the, the theater owners, I think, is is a good place to be. Um, and again, I, I'll just be curious to see you know, some of the movies we think are going to crash and burn or at least not do exceptionally well are, are outperforming our expectations. And some of the ones we expected would do fairly well just aren't so yeah it's a very interesting year for sure i'm very curious to see what the long-term effects of it because um while we all get the focus on these larger films there was a film that came out this weekend that i got a chance to see uh recently and it was an independent film it uh, did not have a ton of uh push behind it and it was actually incredibly enjoyable it was called uh, it's called the baker and it's with Ron Perlman, and it's one of those uh, essentially kind of like a revenge film where he is a baker who uh, has an estranged son. His son, unfortunately, got mixed up in something he shouldn't. He has a, uh, a granddaughter, and he ends up having to reluctantly care for the daughter, which we find he has a past to him, and he goes on a revenge-filled uh, thing to find out what happened to his son and go after the people who did it. And while some may say, well, it was kind of formulaic, this is exactly the kind of thing that we may be seeing a lot of. This is an independent film. Uh, these films are getting waivers right now. There was a lot of talk from SAG-AFTRA in the last week that they were granting waivers for talent to begin negotiations and accept jobs with independent film studios. They were given a list of who was acceptable to cut deals with. The caveat, and this was odd, is they're not able to start filming yet, but they did say you may enter into discussions and agreements with these studios. So that is an interesting thing. Right as that has happened, we've had this musical chairs come out where we found out that uh, Sony has mentioned like uh, a whole list of stuff. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 is moved now till March of next year. Craven the Hunter has moved from this October to next August. Beyond the Spider-Verse is undated. Madam Web is being moved uh, till uh, next year, or a couple days back. Gran Turismo, which we're supposed to screen this week, is now opening on August 25th instead of August 11th. Uh, and they announced that Venom is coming out next July. Bad Boys 4 is coming out next June. And a new Karate Kid movie is coming out on June 7th. And this is all following hand in hand with some of the other stuff that we've heard, such as uh, Disney maybe looking to shuffle some of their fall movies like Wish and the Marvels. And we've also heard that um, Warner Brothers may move Dune Part 2 and some others simply because there are not uh, opportunities to go out and promote these films. We've seen these films misfiring at the box office, even some that had promotion. I mean, look at Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. They promoted that heavily 
and it underperformed at the box office. And so they're, you know, very scared about we're not putting these hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar movies out without press tours, without interview circuits, without talk show circuits. Uh, you know, but then at the same time, they're saying, look, this could all end within a week. All it takes is them to literally sit down and talk. And a week or two later, this all could be over. But, you know, as of now, there's all this uncertainty. And now it's swinging over into streaming. We're getting all these reports that, uh, you know, various shows are sitting there because they're not sure what to do with them. They're hesitant to put them out and then not be able to do any publicity for them. So, yeah, it's. It's a very strange new world, that's for sure. No uh, pun intended for the upcoming musical episode of Star Trek, uh, but uh, definitely interesting. And uh, the other thing that's interesting is we've got the upcoming Star Trek convention uh, this weekend, the Star Trek Las Vegas 57-year mission, August 3rd through 6th at the Rio Suites. Just go to creationentertainment.com. My wife and I are going to go on Saturday and check out the weekend. We have... um, uh, someone there who's going to cover some of the early days, and it's essentially all things Star Trek. They have a massive amount of guests, which is fantastic, uh, but they're not allowed to do any interviews. So that was what the caveat. So, you know, just a quick off the top Shatner, Takai, Koenig, Martin Green, Paul Wesley, Doug Jones, Jerry Ryan, Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, on and on and on. There are so many guests, and they just didn't confirm to us that Zachary Quinto was going to be there on Sunday as well. I mean, you got people from all the Star Trek franchises. It would be uh, very difficult to name, but I mean, everybody, big names, uh, supporting people all the way down the line from all the shows. And it's definitely going to be something to check out. It'll be interesting to hear what they can talk about. My guess is it'll probably be mostly memories about the shows that have already finished because I don't think they can talk too much about, um, you know, if you're in one of the new shows, you can't talk about what's coming, because that would essentially be promotion. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So, um, Michael, we'll start with you. What do you think about this? Do you think we're going to get anything of note news-wise? I'm not expecting that. So what what do you think this is going to go? Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, I think, I I understand they don't want to, much without press tours and that because it does it, it makes it hard to promote a movie or a film or anything when you don't have people out there promoting people aren't going to the the premieres uh, i think these strikes in general are putting a lot of things on hold which ultimately are going to hurt i think it's going to hurt more the industry than um even covid did because even with covid they they we were shutting down and, and it wasn't able to do as many of the filming and stuff but it still kind of felt like People, since they weren't really going out anyways, it wasn't really the impact, and I don't think we've even recovered from that at this point. So I think that, in addition to what's going on now, is going to really we're going to see that really um, resonate mainly to the smaller theaters, not the not the folks like AMC and and Harkins. Those those theaters will have ways to survive. You know, a lot of they're going to have to bring back maybe older movies or or, or you know kind of just not rely on these big blockbusters to sell tickets. But some of the smaller mom-and-pop shops are going to have trouble maintaining that because, again, a lot of those rely on on bigger-named films to kind of keep the lights on. Uh, and, again, uh, a lot of those still have not recovered from uh, from COVID. And even – and sadly, even now, even with um, these blockbusters, we've talked about how they're still not even delivering 
um, on some of the expectations that we thought. Some of that is because of streaming um, and other things that are going on. Uh, so I, I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I support you know the actors, I support the writers, I understand what they're doing. This is not not against them particularly, but sadly, um, everybody kind of loses out in this. But it's kind of the little people that lose out worse, I think, in a lot of these situations. Um, again, talking about vendors, theater owners, um, people like that. I mean, the, the actors, the writers will eventually come to some deal, and, and hopefully they will get their what they deserve and, and what they're looking to get. Um, at the end of the day, the studios are not, you know, they're going to be impacted financially, but they're not going to go out of business because of this. But ultimately, it's, uh, you know, the rest of us all suffer for it. So, I would expect that we're not going to see much of anything for the rest of the year that isn't already in the works. Um, anything new is going to be pushed back, and then ultimately it's going to be a matter of how, how do we catch up again. Um, and again, since we haven't really caught up with COVID, I don't think, generally speaking, I think overall it's, it's going to set us back even further than COVID did already. All the good points. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, and uh, not to mention there's also, you know, all the crew the, and, you know, the artists and the um, the behind the scenes people that that also rely on a lot of these you know a lot of these projects for for their for their livelihood so it does affect a, a lot more people than just the studios and the actors and the writers um, so yeah I mean it's it's definitely a tough situation and you know obviously this is definitely a very selfish uh, um, way to look at it but uh, I really want to see dune too so um, it'd be, a, it would be, a, it would be a disappointment if it, if it did get delayed. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully there's a good resolution soon. Um, I would imagine, you know, uh, obviously the way these, these go is that the longer it goes on, there's, there's more pressure, uh, really on both sides to come to an agreement because it, it affects, you know, everybody. So, um, hopefully there's a resolution soon and, you know, we can get back to normal. Cause like what My- Michael said, it's, the longer it goes on, uh, it, it could have a, a greater impact than even COVID did. And the, the tricky thing about it is there's just so much unknown about it. We're dealing with massive amounts of money, which is so incalculable in people's careers. I, you know, I saw something the other day where somebody said, there's so much focus on the writers, there's so much focus on the studios, there's so much focus on the actors. Well, what people aren't paying attention to are things like caterers, costumers, hairstyle, makeup, electricians, set builders. These people are all out of work, too, because there's nothing for them to work on. These are also people that don't get multi-million dollar contracts and deals. So, you know, every day that this thing goes on, this is impacting them as well. And, of course, like any business, the moment this thing gets resolved, they're going to be sitting there going, okay, we've got higher costs because we have to pay the talent more, but we want to make up for our losses. So what's going to happen? My guess is probably the first thing you're going to see is budget cutting. You're going to see shows that are on the bubble get bounced. You're going to see existing shows and movies uh, essentially being asked to slash their budgets or uh, you know things along that line. So we might see, you know, I, I think it might be a while before anything non-franchise, such as a Marvel movie, such as a DC, a Star Wars film, uh, comes out with anything close to a $200 million budget because studios are going to say, yeah, let's maybe do it at 125 
or not at all. And that is going to make things uh, really, really tricky. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens, how quickly things could happen. I mean, you know, it's crazy. For all we know, there could be back-channel negotiations going on right now. They could sit down in a few days and say, okay, we're formally going to meet. And all it takes is somebody to give on maybe one of the issues or at least slide a little bit and the rest of it comes in. Or it could be like we've heard, they're going to dig in their heels and they're not even going to bother trying to push this forward until um, October. And, you know, who knows? It's all a matter of emotions run high. These things can change on a dime. But as of right now, we've got all this content. But uh, as we've seen, diminishing returns at the box office certainly make people very scared to put these things out. Uh, until they can do the proper round of publicity for them. And, of course, as we've talked about, this is completely uncharted territory. We've never had to deal with the whole specter of AI and streaming uh, to this level, and it is definitely going to complicate things. We talked uh, briefly last week about uh, PAX West coming up and not a lot of uh, name uh, publishers having signed up for it. We did get a little information that Gamescom... Uh, is going to have Sega there, and we're going to see things essentially that have been announced. Hyenas, Total War Pharaohs, Total War Warhammer 3, uh, Endless Dungeon, Sonic Superstars, things of that nature. So, you know, they're actually one of the higher profile people that have been listed at the moment. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we did get news that uh, the new season of Call of Duty is coming out next week. We're going to have uh, Nicki Minaj and Snoop Dogg added. We're going to have all kinds of new maps uh, for both and content for both Warzone and for uh, Call of Duty. So a free update, free content is always good. Definitely looking forward to stuff. And, you know, gentlemen, one thing that has uh, kind of fallen under the radar, I think, in all of this that I am very, very intrigued about, and it's coming up sooner rather than later, and that would be QuakeCon. That is coming back in person August 10th through the 13th. And, you know, I had people questioning it and asking various things. So, you know, do the uh, checklist. I think we're going to get something on new content for Fallout. I think we're going to get some more updates on Starfield. But past that, it gets really interesting. I've had people say, if we don't hear anything on the new Indiana Jones game at this event, that could be very questionable. Uh, so we'll start with you, Michael. What are you expecting uh, Bethesda to announce or reveal or give us a deeper look at? Yeah, I think Starfield's going to be kind of their main their main event kind of thing, although they, we've already seen quite a few events based on that. Um, so obviously, again, I would expect to see um, maybe some news with uh, Fallout 76. Um, in general, I, I don't know, because honestly, I haven't much about QuakeCon. Uh, it's been very quiet, I think, because again, I haven't seen it really talked about. I haven't really seen it advertised. I haven't really seen any updates on it at all. Um, and, and again, that tends to focus a lot more on the, the Quake series and Doom series and just generally um, esports and that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily know that we're going to see a, a ton of updates. Um, the Indiana Jones game is interesting because that has kind of gotten real quiet. Um, and the fact that it got real quiet, and if it's not, it didn't release anywhere close to the movie release, which tends to drive interest in, in, in that. The fact that all that has kind of gotten quiet is very uh, worrisome. I'm not saying that it's not going to be really 
least. I, I do think it may be one of those things where it was announced prematurely, which is becoming a, a real problem, I think, in the industry. Um, and, and a lot of times they go back to the drawing board or, or, they, or they get new developers or they change their mind based on the franchise itself and the interest in the franchise. So, yeah, it would be good to hear something about that game, particularly sooner rather than later. But the fact that it's gotten so quiet makes me worry. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, that is an interesting one. I, I, you'll have to let me know. I don't remember exactly when it was announced, um, because I, uh, I don't. About six weeks ago, give or take. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a curious one because, uh, like Michael said, you would really want to time the release of it with with a new movie. Um, that said, you know, I, 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 you have to also take into account that sometimes it's just not possible. Like depending on uh, when when the production started, it probably takes like four or five years to make a game. So it, it's possible that it was just the timing just didn't really work out. Um, and it, you know, if, if the game is good, I, the the name recognition alone, I, I think, would would sell. Um, but yeah, I, I would want to see a little bit more about that game. Um, one thing I'm really curious about is it's been it's been now three years since Doom Eternal released. Uh, we don't really know what ID, like the main team at ID, has been working on uh, as a follow up uh, for Doom Eternal. I don't know if they would use QuakeCon as like a teaser or an announcement for for what they're doing next, but that I guess that is one possibility just to keep to keep open. Um, so I, I'm curious there, and you know, like like Michael said, I do think. Starfield will probably be the main focus. At, uh, I was doing a quick check. We posted the announcement on April 10th. That's uh, when we got the uh, uh, first news that it was back for in-person. But yeah, it's been kind of quiet because usually we start to get the run-up to it. We are been working. To tr- our usual person is uh, that covers it is uh, her and her husband are taking some maternity leave. So they're not able to go to it. So we're trying to see who might be in the Dallas area to go cover it for us. And it's been very quiet. That being said, you know, with Comic-Con wrapped up, I'm hoping this week we're going to start hearing some stuff because, you know, it would be nice to get some uh, ramped up lead into it. But uh, a lot of questions and not too many answers. So, folks, that is going to do it for us this week. Hopefully... Uh, we'll have a lot more stuff for you next week. We will be back uh, from the Star Trek convention, so I know we'll definitely have that to talk about. And until then, be safe and take care. <laughs>